What is up, everybody? Thank you all for joining me in the latest, uh, well, what is this? The Mortcast. This is CSG. Uh, I'm your host, Jeff Morton, and with me today is, uh, when was the last time I had him on? It's been a while. Uh, my friend and a former colleague at Denver Stiffs, and uh, well, now uh, st- still currently involved with Denver Stiffs, and we'll get to that. It is uh, my friend and the the what who I la- lovingly called the the mayor of Denver, uh, Andy Feinstein. Hello, sir. Oh, Mr. Martin, the King of Thornton. Thank you for having me back on. Yes. Um, we should talk. We could talk some Denver mayor's race too, if you want. We have a big election <laughs> coming up on June sixth. So happy to discuss it. So who's who, who's in the runoff? Is it uh, Johnston and who's the other one? The um... well, the woman I'm supporting. Uh, yeah. Her name is Kelly Bruff, which rhymes mm-hmm. with tough. Uh, but Kelly and Mike are both personal friends of mine. Um, Denver got lucky. Uh, we had 17 candidates that ran for this. Uh, I would argue, I think it's, uh, I would argue that Kelly and Mike were the top two most qualified, the top two candidates, the most moderate, the most experienced. And so Denver got lucky. So Denver has two good choices. I am supporting Kelly. Um, I think she's, her experience is a little more specific to running the city. Whereas my experience comes from being a state legislature. So those are, those are two different mm-hmm. disciplines, but I think Kelly would be a fantastic choice, but I think Mike will do great should he win. So it's going to be a dogfight all the way into June 6th. Um, there's not much negative you can say about either of them. Yeah. And like I said, they're both personal friends and uh, this is a good outcome for Denver. Well, uh, interesting because people, I mean, you have been quite busy. Uh, well, for quite a while you're you're always busy but you have been flying in and out and just doing all your stuff so i, I you know people want to catch up with you because you recently got got reinvolved with uh Denver Stiffs uh in a way that i let's quite frankly neither you or i anticipated this being a thing so um kind of let, let's let's kind of talk about what happened and how you got how this whole thing came about um, with uh, SB Nation and uh, Denver Stiffs coming back within your purview. Yeah. So for those listeners who may not be aware, um, I started Denver Stiffs in 2008. Uh, I don't even remember what I used blogger. Maybe I used whatever the basic blogging online platform was. Uh, I don't remember, man. I don't remember. I think it was blogger. Blogger, Uh, I did it all by myself, did it all by myself uh, for several years. And then a couple of years into it, maybe 2010, uh, SB Nation, which is owned by uh, Vox, had this business model of let's go after the best blog per team in all four major professional sports, as well as the top college blogs. And let's form one giant entity. We'll call it SB Nation, which stands for Sports Bloggers Nation. Let's put them all under one umbrella so that when we go after Budweiser or Coca-Cola, or am I allowed to say Budweiser these days? Yeah, you're fine. Yeah. Uh, or or Coca, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a joke about our wokeness. Uh-huh. Um, Coca-Cola, you know, United Airlines, uh, whatever, you know, whoever we're going after to sponsor our platform knows that they're getting in front of, you know, millions and millions of eyeballs of dedicated sports fans. And the quid pro quo was uh, we as blog creators got a platform, we got search engine optimization, we got a budget for writers, that's when you came on board, mm-hmm. and we were able to 
just right. It was so cool because I didn't have to worry about like, where am I going to get photos from? And, you know, what if the site goes down and how am I going to moderate comments? And it was a really, it was, I thought it was a fair trade and they took us all under their wing. And, um, you know, look, you and I both grew up sort of over time and we didn't have the capacity to write it every day. So we Mm -hmm. handed it off to some other guys like Adam Mares, who did a great job. And then Adam moved on and handed it off to Ryan Blackburn, who did a good job and Ryan moved on. And, you know, and it's kind of been passed down. The baton has been passed down. Uh, from there, and then out of nowhere, in February of this year, SB Nation notified all the site managers that they're basically killing 60% of the sites and uh, due to a lack of ad revenue. And unfortunately, Denver Stiffs was one of those <clears throat> on the chopping block. Yeah. And the new site manager, Brandon Ewing, who I don't even know, I've never even met him, um, <laughs> reached out to me and he's like, help. And so I, I was faced with basically three choices and you, you and I talked through these choices. The three choices were let it die, uh, take it over myself, which you and I used to do. And we know what an undertaking that is not mm-hmm. easy. Mm-hmm. And then option three was let's make sure it finds a good home where, you know, it's a bona fide platform that can stand it up, that it can you know honor the integrity of the brand and the community, but also perhaps elevate it and amplify it into the future and as if you think about that as your as your checklist for making decisions, Mile High Sports was kind of a no brainer. And uh, you know, for the for the listeners that may not know this, Mile High Sports was integral in Denver Stiffs launching 15 years ago. Yeah. Um, whether it was Eric Goodman and Les Shapiro, may he rest in peace. Yes. Uh, used to have me on their show as a guest. Um, you, of course, now work with Mile High Sports. That played a huge factor in this. Nate Lundy, the mm-hmm. CEO of Mile High Sports, used to put me on his shows. Mm-hmm. on 104.3 The Fan, including with Sandy Clough, who's now at Mile High Sports. And mm-hmm. I used to write articles for Mile High Sports Magazine as a courtesy they used to do for me as Denver Stiffs when Doug Ottawill ran Mile High Sports. So lots of familiarity with Mile High Sports, and it, this feels like a homecoming of sorts. And um, I believe this will be the permanent home of Denver Stiffs. And just for the listeners to know, our, our goal right now was survival. Just stand this side up. Let's get through the playoffs, hopefully the NBA Finals. And then when the dust settles from the season, we'll sit down, we'll have a proper strategy, and we'll think about how Denver Stiffs is going to live into the future. But that's how the decision was made. I am so happy and grateful to Nate and you and the Mile High Sports team for bringing us on board. And uh, I'm just glad that we were able to keep the community alive and intact. Well, it's it's interesting because I, I'm sort of tangentially with uh, – I, I, I'm I'm basically the Brett Barrup of uh, Mile High Sports. <laughs> Um, <laughs> the secret advisor, uh, yes. wheeler dealer behind the scenes that gets no credit and has no title, but has huge influence. Is that right. what you mean? Right. I, I, I put, I put people in contact with people, uh, basically is what I do. Um, but it, it's interesting because you and I, and I, and I, I try to explain this to someone, you and I have a, a probably more of a, uh, emotional attachment to the name because of what we went through in order to build it up. I mean, all those all those all that time writing all that we before there was a staff when it was just you me and nate it was just there was a time investment in it and starting the stiffs nights out and all those things and 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 it would have been a shame for me to see it die because it was going to die it was it it was either you uh take it over or it was dead and i am grateful that it's still going on even though i'm no longer a part of it i i just it felt like it was it would have been bad if it just died on the vine like sb nation intended well maybe that can change jeff 
And uh, again, you know, you're going to be, you, you will be part as the Brett Barrett of Mile High Sports. And I don't know how many people get that joke. May he rest in peace as well. Yeah, how tragic crazy. is it Jeez. for you and myself that we've lost Brett and Les oh in the last few years? I mean, talk about two people that were wonderful friends, wonderful oh, mentors, both got them. Denver Stiff started, got you started in the podcast business mm-hmm. and to have both of them gone from, and Mark Workentine. I mean, we've Mark lost Work- three oh my God. giants in the last few years. Isn't that, isn't that sad? Oh, I know. So, I, um, it, it's tragic. It's tragic. Um, I, I, I've got so, work, I've got Work's voice in my head. You gotta understand about Stan Kroenke. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> but um, it's all sad. But listen, Denver Stiffs, uh, let's keep it going. And maybe there's some things you can do, and we'll be and you and I'll have some interesting discussions. But like I said, it's been survival mode, and I'm just glad the site is up and running, so that when someone types DenverStiffs.com. They have a place to they have a place to commiserate with fellow Nuggets fans. Well, and it's uh, if you I don't know if you've seen the comments. The comments are just going just as strong as they did on the SB Nation, which is amazing. oh, it's insane! It's insane! It's amazing. Uh, uh, it's, the, the, yeah. the platform the the platform is just it is what it is, and and that's a tribute to you. It's a tribute to Nate Timmons. It's a tribute to me, Adam, Ryan Blackburn, all the writers who have uh, come through to just build such a great. I, I hate calling it a brand. But I guess in 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 today's parlance, it would be it's just a brand uh, yeah. that that it really represents Denver, and uh, that's what I'm most proud of. You know, that's really what I'm most proud of is, is like this is this is intrinsically Denver. You know, it is. So you and I, um, as, as people don't know, you and I uh, are longtime Nuggets fans. You bet. You better know at this point, um, and we're witnessing right now a playoffs that. And I, I was I was talking to a couple people about that. Tim Miller was on my podcast uh, last week, and Trey Mitchell was on it yesterday. And I I kind of wanted to go over this because it's it's part of being a fan. Sometimes I, I was I always say fans know how to sniff out frauds, and they know how to they know when something special is happening. And some of those past Nuggets teams, as you've always written about, and all that stuff, they had a whiff of fraud about them, you know. That there's the, especially some of George's teams. They just weren't at, as good as 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 they were seeming. They're always an eight seed, sometimes just sneaking in. This team just has a different feel about them. This team, has oh a, yeah, this has a Big different. Time. And 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 can you describe that? Because I I I feel like I'm on an island here, just trying to describe a feeling. But it's just like you kind of know intrinsically, like that, that there's something different about this team, and it just has a different feel to it than any of these past Nuggets teams. Well, I'm 100%. Let, let's dive into this. So a few things, a couple of comments come to mind as I listen to your comment. Um, number one, these players don't care about what happened in the 80s or the 90s. They don't. They weren't alive. Right. Uh, if they were alive, they weren't old enough to care. And if they were old enough to care, they didn't care. Okay. They right. don't know what stiffs means. They don't know what Doug Moe means. They barely know what the rainbow means. Okay. They right. don't care. Um, these are professional athletes with a desire to win. Now, uh, number one. Number two, um, when the Toronto Raptors and the Milwaukee Bucks and, frankly, the Golden State Warriors prior mm-hmm. to 2015 or in 2015 can win a championship, anyone in the NBA can win a championship. Yeah. This, this misnomer that you have to be you know, a big market team, blah, 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 blah. I mean, the Warriors, I didn't like the Kevin Durant part of it, but – Give them full credit. I mean, they drafted Steph at seven and Clay at like 11 and Draymond was a second round pick. They built a championship team. 
you know? Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks drafted Giannis, what, 15th or something? Yeah. And built a championship team. The Raptors built through the draft and, you know, swung for the fences with the Kawhi Leonard trade, but they didn't have a first pick. Right. The first pick they had was Andrea Bargnani, who they got rid of. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, so my point is, is that those three, to me, the Warriors, the Warriors, the Raptors, and the Bucks proved to me that anybody can win. Okay. Uh, the Cavs don't count because LeBron James is a generational player and they got the first pick and they got him and, you know, and they won. Um, but anyway, so that, 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 that's my second comment. My third comment is in the history of the NBA, in the entire history of the NBA, only four players who have won the MVP have not been to an NBA finals. Okay. Derek Rose, Steve Nash, Joel Embiid, and Nikola Jokic. So my point of mentioning that is when you have an MVP, you're almost not guaranteed, but you are most likely going to play in an NBA finals. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now you may not win the NBA finals. You know, Barkley won an MVP. Carl Malone won an MVP. James Harden, Russell Westbrook, they've won MVPs, have not won championships, but they've been to the NBA finals. And so this, this to me is, this is the, this is the year. This does feel like it for those three reasons. And I just think that, we have the right pieces. We have the right horses. Um, and uh, now, if it's Nuggets Lakers conference finals, I don't know the record. I don't have it in front of me, but I think we're like what nine and zero or zero and nine versus the Lakers in the history of the playoffs yes. or something like that. Yeah. We've never beaten them in a series, right? Yeah. <clears throat> That's going to be really interesting. Um, they don't scare me though, and yeah. neither do the Warriors and the Suns don't scare me. So this could be the year. I've never felt so good about it. And the irony of ironies, it's going to be the year when I'm out of the country for the two weeks of the Western conference finals, but I will be back for the NBA finals. <laughs> World traveler, Andy Feinstein. Uh, yeah. You know, um, I think, look, it, it, I'm trying getting into some generalities here. It, it, it's there are, there's just, it is hard to, to quantify as you were pointing out what an MVP means, unless you, it's like MVPs don't happen by accident. Okay. The MVP, um, like the, the, what I can't even think of a fraudulent one. I mean, you could probably talk about Charles Barkley and, or Carl Malone the year he won probably as that one was kind of iffy, but they went to the finals that year, you know, or no, they didn't. Uh, no, sort of. So here, 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 hold on. Uh, Carl Malone's first one, I would say, was fraudulent because it was when Michael Jordan was still playing. All right. 98. And the 98? fact that they could give 97. 97. And the fact that they could give an award to anyone but Michael Jordan in 97 is a joke. And the only reason they did it is the same reason why Embiid won it this year is because the voters have an allergy to, a, to the guy winning it again who's already won it. It's ridiculous. Okay. Right. If anything, you could argue that Jokic shouldn't have won it two years ago. It should have been Giannis for the same reason. Mm -hmm. And this is the year Jokic should have won it. But anyway, Carl yep. um, Malone also won it in 99 <laughs> in the lockout year when MJ oh, yeah. was retired. Yeah, And one could argue that should have been Shaq. Yes. Um, the fact that Shaquille O'Neal has one MVP is a joke. The fact that mm -hmm. Kobe Bryant has one MVP is a joke. Mm -hmm. um, but that's just how it goes. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, you're fine. That this is this is the historical context we need because it's it's rarely that it's rare that that happens. But you notice that other than Steve Nash, every one of these players, as you pointed out, reach a finals. You know, Barkley did. Every everyone everyone who's who gets there gets there because they are a great player for a reason. And Nikola Jokic, what he's doing in these playoffs has been mind boggling. I I've never seen other, other worldly. Th by, the is, way, by the way, by the way. 
Okay, so I think Boston's in big trouble. Yeah. And people can talk all they want about Miami. I think we're heading for Nuggets Sixers. Mm-hmm. And I think we're heading for Jokic versus Embiid. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be unfucking believable. Pardon my language. Okay. <laughs> it's going to be incredible. <clears throat> it It is really going to be that way. Although, man, I would not, with the way the Heat play, I, I, I would not want to play them. But um, the, it's just, it's just, just it just this has this way, but uh, Jokic right now, after that fifty-three point game, and I noticed I, I was pointing this out to uh, Trey yesterday on the podcast. There is just a different way people are talking about Nikola Jokic after that fifty-three point game, and it is so weird how it changed. Hey, I don't, way, you know the irony is, is yeah. his fifty-three point game was his worst game of the series. It was. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? He had a fifty-three point game because nobody else showed up that night. But it was actually his worst game of the series. His best game of the series may have been game five. Yeah, game <laughs> five or game It was game more three. of a balanced yeah. – yeah. yeah. I mean, you don't want Jokic to score 53. You want Jokic to, Jokic to score 33 and have 15 assists, 15 rebounds, mm-hmm. right? Four rebounds and 53 points is not what you want from Jokic. But, hey, look, the guy is unbelievable. He's a generational talent. He's I, – I mean, like, I don't know where – He's obviously he's the best second round pick ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I mean, he will finish as a top 10 all time big man. I mean, you're going to talk about Kareem, Russell, Wilt, Akeem, Shaq, Duncan Jokic, Moses Malone. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's mm-hmm. think about that. Mm-hmm. We've got him top eight all time. Giannis, uh, Giannis yeah. is in there, You're right? Giannis is in there. Yep. Yep. Um, I'm I'm struggling to get to number ten. I mean, that's the, oh Dirk. There you go. There's your top ten of all time. Right. And Jokic is in there. You know, I, I I'm going to bring this up. Um, you and I are Nuggets historians. Um, I'm trying to look. He's th- no, he's no he's no uh, he's no Joko Picky. Joko Picky. You know. Yes. Yes. <laughs> he's no Tommy Hammond. Um, th- I've been thinking about this lately because I've seen a, I've seen in my just in my own history of watching the Nuggets, I've seen some good playoff performances. I'm just talking about I'm I'm confining this next thing with performance specific. Um, I've seen good playoff performances. Obviously, I we you and both you and I didn't really see David Thompson. Um, we and and his his some of the games he played in the 76 ABA finals was really good. In fact, they're the, the game they were eliminated and he had 40. Um, but there was just, there's, there's, I'm trying to think of epic playoff performances. And even then I am coming up short with anything com- comparable to what Jokic is doing right now. I don't, I don't think I, there's anything in Nuggets history that really stands up to this. Oh, it, uh, what he's doing right now? I, I can't even. I, I'm just trying to think. I, I can't. I, I can't think of anything. You know. I mean, I just don't remember. Yeah, like what was Alex English's '84, '85 run on this level? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, look, Jokic was amazing. Um, was it the year before the bubble? Uh, he he was when they lost Game Seven to Portland, which they should have never lost at mm-hmm. home. What yeah. a tragedy! Yeah. Uh, I mean, he really, that was a real, that, the, the war, by the way, the Warriors, luck goes around. I mean, look, the Warriors lost uh, Clay Thompson and Kevin Durant in, in an NBA finals, but the mm-hmm. Warriors have been a little lucky, a little bit. I mean, they've, they've had, with the Mavericks last year and with the Blazers in, uh, in 20, uh, whenever that was, 20, um, 
2019 because the Blazers beat us. They probably had the two worst Western Conference Finals opponents of the last decade, right? Mm, right, um, right. But um, but yeah, Jokic has just been. He's. He, what else can I say? I've run out of. Super, I've run out of superlatives. He is mm-hmm. master. He's masterful. So talking about teams that we, you and I have both seen, um, and I would go coming back to that feel thing that we were talking about. 2009, there was a lot of enthusiasm, but I don't think ever, anyone really believed that they would beat the Lakers. They, no, they, no chance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think even in our own blog, I predicted yeah. us to lose, and everyone got mad at me. They're like, you're the blogger. You got to at least predict them to win. I said, like, I can good conscience. They're, they're not going to win. They should have probably. It should have gone seven. <clears throat> As you and I both know, that should have gone seven. There were some extraneous circumstances of why they didn't go go seven, but they should have at least done that. But I didn't have that inevitability feeling like like I do right now. I don't know. It's just it's it's weird because right I, now feels different. Yeah, you know? I don't. By the way, I do not have an inevitability feeling. And just before I joined you today, I saw on Twitter Jamal is questionable tonight. Yes, What's he's questionable uh, for non COVID illness. Okay, I don't know. What so that means, means he's probably going to play. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I would not use the word inevitable. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, you've got a tough, tough road ahead here. Um, but uh, it does feel right. Yeah, not, 09 felt like, yeah, that, that, there was a ceiling there, right? The conference mm-hmm. finals was the ceiling. This year, the ceiling is winning the NBA championship, not just getting to the finals. Um, also, you know, with all due respect to our friend George Carl, Michael Malone's a better playoff coach. Yeah. You know, and you are what your record says you are. Like, they win games. I'm sorry, George, but this team wins games, you know? I think he's already passed Doug Moe for the most wins, most playoff wins as a Nuggets coach. Yes, he has. I think so. So, and I know Mike Malone's got his shortcomings, and James Merrillat and some others are always on his case, but uh, (laughs) I think he's done a pretty good job, you know? Um, And you are what your record says you are. So, yeah, this does feel like we have the right mix this year. And also, the Nuggets, you know, I think think KCP – Bruce Brown, Christian Brown, um, and even Jeff Green. You know, those are the type of like role players you need to get to the promised land. We've not really had that kind of grit before out of the surrounding cast. I- I'll tell you the X factor for me, it's probably an obvious one, is Michael Porter Jr. has got to score 20 points. He's got to score 20 points, if not 25, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, they have to have a third option. He's got to be like what Glenn Rice was on the Lakers or – what Horace Grant was on the Bulls, and you know they, they got to have, uh, you know that third guy. That's gonna be really important. Some of the some of the the, the Nuggets are frustrating in how they run their offense, in a sense that they don't make MPJ a a they they don't feature him. It's, it's he's never featured. He gets the leftovers basically is the way they do it. So it really depends on swings and roundabouts. Whether it's like whether they're slacking off of uh, say Murray. Or, or in Jokic, or if they actually deliberately run sets for him, like in uh, game five, uh, they it, it was the entire first quarter was about Michael Porter Jr. because um, they they just ran action after action, dribble handoff, and he was getting these open three point shots. You know, it's good, but sometimes the Nuggets just like forget he's on the court. Some of that has to do with Mike. Some of that has to do with uh, the Nuggets. It's frustrating, and but I agree with you that he needs to be getting those. 20 points a night and that and and that will to me he is the he will be if he does that he's the reason the nuggets advance that's it it's they get to that point where they they are unstoppable at that point yeah totally we'll see 
That's coaching. Yes, that is coaching. Um, so what have you seen so far? I mean, obviously we've discussed your, you've been a busy man, but from what you've seen this year, what set other than Jokic, what sets this Nuggets team apart from ones that uh, you've seen in the past? Well, I mean, <clears throat> I hope I'm not jinxing everything here by saying this, but health is really important. You know, yeah. I mean, this team has been jinxed, uh, unfortunately, you know, uh, Danilo Gallinari going down in 2013, oh. right before the playoffs, uh, oh. uh, you know, Lafonso Ellis going down after the playoffs in 94, but basically killed what it could have been a mini dynasty, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, Alex English was, you break his hand in game four or five in 1985 mm-hmm. um, against four. the Lakers. <clears throat> What's that? Game four? Game four. Um, You know, the reason, there's a reason why in 2009 they got to the conference finals. They were healthy. Yep. They were healthy. That whole, you know, so that that's really important. You remember that Nene was finally healthy and Kmart was finally healthy. And, right. And and that and that's why they got there. So I think health is the number one reason why this team, I mean, look, they, they, they were fortunate to make the playoffs last year. They didn't have Murray for a single game all season. Um, and then, of course, the year before, uh, he got hurt, you know, in April or something like that before the playoffs started and wasn't even in the playoffs when they got swept by Phoenix and they still won in the first round. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so it's, uh, health is just critical, critically important. Um, do you remember the 87, 88 nuggets? The one, the one that won 54 games. Oh, there you go. Fat lever, fat, fat lever, fat lever getting right. hurt. Um, just doomed him and just absolutely doomed him. And, it, and by 87, 88, he was right there at the level of Alex English uh, because English was oh, on the downhill at that point. Uh, even though he was still scoring a lot, you could tell this was his better days were behind him. And I think him getting injured doomed him. Uh, 85 uh, was Lever again. And then English breaking his uh, or Kareem breaking English's hand. Um, and uh, there was there was just and then all these, all these injuries that the Nuggets have had just have doomed them. And you are 100% right. Knocking on wood as we speak that their health has been, has been good and fortunate. And you know what, with championship teams, you need that good luck because inevitably the team that is left standing at the end is the most healthy one. Correct. That's right. I'm the most talent and the most health, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and uh, that's been a huge, huge difference. Look, it's affected this playoffs. You know, I, I don't know if the Bucks would have beaten the Heat had Giannis been totally healthy every game, but maybe, you know. I mean, they lost Giannis for two games. That cost them that series, big time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it cost Budenholzer his job. Although with Giannis, they had some pretty bad choke jobs, which didn't help. Right. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, health is a huge issue. I mean, do, do the Lakers take down Memphis as easily as they did with John Morant as healthy the whole series? So it's a huge, huge factor. You know, Deion, Darren Fox uh, breaks a finger against right. the Warriors. So, yeah, don't play the Warriors, by the way, because one of your best players is guaranteed to get hurt. As the Nuggets know with Jamal yeah. Murray in 2021. That's right. Yeah, don't play against the Warriors. One of your best players is going to get hurt. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so have you been able, since you've been here, have you been able to make it to any games? Oh, I go to a lot of games. Um, yeah. I went to uh, <clears throat> of the forty-one home games this year. I probably went to fifteen games. Oh yeah, I went to fifteen games, probably maybe twenty games. No, not twenty. Fifteen games, probably. Mm-hmm. I've been going. I'm back at it. You're back at it. Um, so I've been going. Yeah, I actually took my kids to their first ever Nuggets game. We went to the uh, Brooklyn Nets matinee game. 
Oh, and, did you? Uh, they had oh. a great time. They brought their Rocky dolls, and you'll love this. I brought my, I still have my Rocky doll from the 90s. Oh, wow. Which I gave to my son, original Rocky doll. So he brought the big Rocky doll. My daughter brought the new Rocky doll. They're obsessed with Rocky. <clears throat> and when he saw my son holding the old school Rocky doll, he offered to pick my son up and take him onto the court with the old school Rocky doll. And my son had that look in his face of just sheer terror. And I'll give Rocky full credit because he didn't do it. And he knew not to do it. My son like clinged to my wife, like, Oh my God, do not let this mascot that I'm obsessed with take me away from you. <clears throat> but it was pretty cool. Oh, yeah. yes. And, and uh, Andy does have two kids now, which is like another marker of time here, my friend. That's, I know. Well, Denver <laughs> Steph started 15 years ago. Think about that. Holy crap. I was 32. I mean, it's just a different era. I was oh, 32. God, that's, that's different that's era. A, that's amazing. And, but, you know, look, it, it's been nice to kind of experience uh, this recent wave. And, and I honestly, I'm talking about the city of Denver, you know, both you and I as uh, lifelong Dem- Denverites. I can tell you there's the, the city is behind them. And it's nice to see the city behind the Denver Nuggets. You know, it's, yeah. it's not always been that way. But like I said, some of that is that fans can sniff out a fraud. But I think some of that is they're finally dedicated to this Nuggets team. And the arena has been fantastic every single game in these playoffs. Every yes. single game. Yeah, it's electric. Um, it's awesome. It's awesome. Hey, like we do, we deserve it. Um, the Nuggets are one of the, if you look at our history, we've actually been to the playoffs more than we haven't. I mean, mm-hmm. yes, they were, they're basically, they're basically really, if you think about the entire history of the Nuggets, there's only two bad periods. There's the, there's the mid nineties into the early OOs was a mm-hmm. decade of doom. And then there was the gap between Masai leaving and Tim Connolly kind of taking over fully. And there was a, that four year gap there. But other than that, you know, they've, they've at least been in the mix somewhat, but it has been a tragic history from a, from a final standpoint. Um, but look, it's really hard to win a championship. Like, look at the Celtics. If you look at the, what the Celtics have done for the last 10 years, it's amazing. They've been to like three Eastern Conference finals, several semifinals, a finals. They can't get it done. It's hard. It's really hard. It is. It's, it's a, the hardest sport to win a title in. And uh, that's, that's, that's one of those things. And, you know, I've, I've been thinking about it. Is you, and I, you and I have both longtime Nuggets observers. Um, I'm thinking back to my teenage years and unfortunately my teenage years, early teenage years were, were formed by the Paul Westhead nuggets, the late Doug Moe and early Paul Westhead nuggets were basically mediocre team. And then a terrible team, laughing stock team. And I, I try to talk to people about how people don't un- understand how bad the nuggets were in the nineties Two two different <laughs> eras where the nuggets were just the worst, the, the unwatchable. And for someone who has gone through that, who went through that, like you, uh, and I even watched some of the eleven win season with with Bill Hanslick and watching Corey Alexander save their ass. Um, it, it it's this is all the, that more satisfying because of that awful, just awful period we went through watching this team. To me, this kind of has made whatever success the Nuggets have right now has made it a little sweeter. Oh yeah. I mean, we've been, we, I mean, look, I'm sure every fan has their talk to a Clippers fan, right. They, they all have their pain, but we've had an exceptional amount of pain. Um, and, uh, and look, if, if any fan base deserves it, if that is such a thing in sports, it's, it's the, the Nuggets fan base, but, uh, 
We still have a lot of work to get through. Tonight's a big one. They got to win this game tonight. They have to. For no other reason, I don't have to go through another Mother's Day debacle where I can't plan my Mother's Day because I don't know what time Game Seven's going to be <laughs> until Sunday morning. Um, so let's uh, let's hope they win tonight uh, for many obvious reasons, and then and then get a little bit of rest for uh, Warriors or Lakers. I'm not convinced the Lakers are winning that series, by the way. So. Uh, we'll see. The Warriors are probably one of the more formidable. We've seen, it's only happened, what, 13, 14 times in NBA history. Mm -hmm. The team comes down from a 3-1 deficit, but it does happen. And the Nuggets have done it twice. The Warriors have done it once. Um, So it's Mm -hmm. Lakers are, Lakers better win that game six or they're in big trouble. Um, You got any feel about tonight's game? I mean, do you, do you think? I I think we're going to win. Uh, There's my, we're winning tonight. We're winning tonight. You know, uh, Devin Booker, by the way, quick fact on Devin Booker. Right. So Devin Booker was the 13th pick in the draft in 2015. 13th pick. The Nuggets had the seventh pick. And they took Emmanuel Moutier. Yep. Okay. Look who got drafted before Devin Booker. I'll give you Carl Anthony Towns. That was kind of a no-brainer first pick, right? Every other guy. D'Angelo Russell, maybe. Okay. Jaleel Okafor, I think he's done. Porzingis, fine. Mario Hazonia, done. Willie Cauley-Stein, done. Stanley Johnson, done. Frank Kaminsky to the Hornets, because Michael Jordan only drafts white guys, which is the weirdest thing ever. Uh, done. Uh, Justice Winslow, pretty much done. Miles Turner, does he still play in the NBA, Miles Turner? Yes. Um, Trey Lyles, who's had a nice little renaissance in Sacramento, former mm-hmm. Nugget. Mm-hmm. And Devin Booker. And that, isn't that insane? Yeah. It's insane. I was there for his workout with the Nuggets. Uh, were you really? Was, yes, and he was quite. Uh, uh, Timmons and I were there, and uh, that is the that it, it was kind. Of, it's it's interesting because there's two memories I have, and I think this will inform the Nuggets talk actually right now. Two memories I have of the Nuggets workouts was 2014 under Brian Shaw. Um, I remember just talking to Tim Connolly and Tommy Balsettis about. Um, Aaron Gordon and the Nuggets weren't in Gordon's range at that time. I think they were in 2014, they were 11 or 12 that year. Then they traded back, um, to get Nurkic and uh, Gary Harris. And that's the Nicole. Well, hold on, yeah, yeah, yeah. 14. What year was uh, what year did Jokic uh, get drafted? Yeah, four. I'm looking at it right now 14. 14. 41st pick in the draft. So we this one we, we took Doug McDermott. And you're right. We traded him for Nurkic and Gary Harris, which was a great trade. Mm-hmm. Great trade. Mm-hmm. Um, and Aaron Gordon was the fourth pick. Joel Embiid was the third pick. Yep. And and I remember both Tim and Tommy Ball says talking about how much they liked Aaron Gordon's defense. And it, it just always stuck with me. And then they, en- and they ended up trading for him, you know, seven years later. Um, then the next year, Devin Booker's and I I never forget watching him and he was hitting every shot, but they were all mid rangers, by the way, he was pulling up from mid range the entire time. And, uh, I turned to Timmons and I said, it's guys, a mid range. I mean, this guy wants to be Kobe. And that's, that's my exact words watching him. And then he comes over and talks to Nate and I, and it was the nicest conversation he and I had, no matter what we think about Devin Booker now, he he was the nicest conversation of any of the workout uh, draft picks that have ever come through Denver. He was just a sweet guy to to Nate and I asking oh, about sorry. Denver and stuff so, like that. 
so we got we got sidetracked. Sorry. So Devin Booker, I think he's yeah. awesome. But my point is, is that Devin Booker and Kevin Durant, who are both awesome, 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 that's just not enough. It's not enough, and they're not going to have eighty point. Well, I shouldn't. Maybe they, I doubt they're going to have eighty points tonight. I mean, it's it's game six. They've been carrying the load the whole time. They're playing every other day. If we can just come in with a balanced attack and be the dictator, not the dictate I think the Nuggets win tonight. Well, they're really Phoenix is really counting on DeAndre Ayton to not be DeAndre Ayton, and that has been their biggest bugaboo. He was great against Jokic in 2021, and Jokic figured him out. This is what great players do. He figured him out. So now he can't do anything. And Phoenix fans are just going nuts about this. But they don't, and you are absolutely right. They just don't have enough. And when you're counting on Aiton and, and Chris Paul's obviously injured, um, and obviously that's going to be an issue. But honestly, I think they're a better team without Chris Paul. Uh, that's just my view. Chris Paul's the shadow of himself. So I don't know. Yeah, I'm with you. I think they'll win tonight. I think, I think, it's the nuggets want to end this right now. They don't want to have to come back to Denver and let it put it up to chance. They, this, I agree. Is, this is the time to end it. And the end time to end it is to go to Phoenix tonight at eight o'clock at night and, and be, and beat them. I agree. Yep. I agree. All right. Well, uh, I'm going to let you go. And uh, obviously uh, uh, Andy, Andy is a, and, I mean, I, I, I tease Andy, but he's legitimately a very busy man. So. Um... Oh, stop it. Stop it. Stop it. I love doing this with you. I wish we did it more regularly um, and we'll do it again soon. And uh, you know, let's not jinx ourselves. Hopefully we'll be talking NBA finals, but um, let's, let's get through tonight. Tonight's yeah. an exciting game. Let's get through it. Yeah, we'll definitely do that. So uh, uh Thank you all for joining us in the latest uh, Morecast on CSG. Uh, that is Andy Feinstein. You can uh, follow him on Twitter at a, a, a what, what is your Twitter handle again? A-F-E-I-N-S-T 21 at uh, A-F-E-I-N-S-T 21. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So uh, follow him on, on Twitter there and he'll have occasionally tweet. And uh, yeah, so uh, for Andy and uh, this is CSG Podcast. Thank you all for joining us and I'll be talking to you after game six. Bye.